there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Every week, we bring you insightful and encouraging information to help your homeschool family thrive. We're David and Leslie Nunnery, and we are so glad you're here. This week, we're going to be talking very practically about discipleship. For some, that's a concept that seems so lofty and difficult that many are overwhelmed and at a loss. But we contend is actually the most natural thing in the world. We're excited to share what God's Word says about it and how that looks in modern day. So stay tuned. Before we dive in, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor for today's episode. AOP was here before homeschooling was accepted, before it was a movement, before you were told you had to stay home, before it was popular. Their mission today remains the same as it did 45 years ago when they began to educate, inspire, and change lives through curriculum that promotes academic excellence and Christian values. Discover the benefits of a Christian homeschool education and learn more about AOP's award-winning homeschool options today at aop.com or call them at 1-800-622-3070. I also want to let you know to be on the lookout for something fresh and new coming to your inbox every Sunday night. It's starting this weekend, and we hope it will soon become your go-to resource for getting ready for the week ahead. If you're not yet signed up to receive our newsletter, be sure to do so now. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash newsletter and sign up today. You don't want to miss what's coming. to our discipleship conversation. David, this issue seems to come up a lot where discipleship seems just overwhelming or incredibly intimidating. Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, a lot of the conversations that we've had, and whether it's uh, somebody's at our house and we're just sitting down on the couch talking, or is somebody at one of the events, this question of discipleship is a very intimidating thing. It's like uh, the the big D word, you know. <laughs> I don't think it, it needs to be looked at that way. It is actually a pretty simple concept. And um, I mean, if you were to break this down in its simplest form, it's just kind of like life on life, right? right? It's just living, living with somebody and living out your relationship with the Lord and for people to see that. That's the simplest form of discipleship. Right. Do you think that when we started, when we back 20, almost 23 years ago, when we became parents for the first time, did you, especially as a new believer, have an idea of what discipleship was? Was that even something that was on your radar? I think that uh, it was not something that I conceptualized in in like a... a uh, something that I would be able to teach somebody else how to do it. But I do think that it was a really big deal to me that the kids loved the Lord and they didn't reject God. Mm-hmm. Um, that was incredibly a big deal to me. And I also think that with that thought in mind, I knew intuitively just it made sense to me that I needed to be growing and changing as well. And so those two things, I think, kind of involved into, you know, what you and I talk about today 
and we would pray, you know, over the kids, Mm -hmm. you know, we would, we wanted them to look at the Bible as a big deal. It wasn't just another book. It was God's word and it was separate. It was different. It was sanctified. It was holy. It was, it was just not something that you took for granted. Yeah. Um, we, we spent a a lot of time with that. I mean, that was like what made us tick, Mm -hmm. but as in terms of conceptualizing when somebody walked up to us and said, Hey, I want to disciple somebody. What should I do? I think there was definitely a moment when we were young parents where we would be a little bit lost for words. We, We wouldn't know what to say. Well, I, yeah. And the reason that I threw that out there at you was because as I look back over the years, like you said, our heart was to pass on our faith to our kids. We wanted, like you noted so eloquently, we wanted God's word to be a big deal to them. We wanted them to love God, love his word, love his people, all of those things. But we didn't really know all the ins and outs of what that looked like. But we did know where we could get it. We knew where we could find that information intuitively, because we knew that God's word tells us that he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So if we have a question, we're going to be able to find a principle or or a reason in his word. And so through the years, as we prayed for God's direction with our kids, as we parented them time and time and time again, he used his word to grow us in the exact way that we needed to to disciple our kids, even if we didn't fully understand everything that was going on. Well, and this is something that uh, discipleship is something that you can find book after book after book after book that is written on this subject. Mm-hmm. You can go into your Christian bookstore. You can go on Amazon. You can go to Christian book distributors. You can go to wherever you want and write in family discipleship or something along those lines. And you are going to find page after page after page of book. And every single one of these books is 250, 300 words. Pages. I mean, I'm sorry, (laughs) uh, 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 pages. And that's one of the things that I love about the Bible is that the Bible actually lays this stuff out in a really simple fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible does not complicate things. And well, God is not the author of confusion. No. And we've got to remember that God is a God of order and and not confusion. God is a God of peace and not fear and anxiety. And when we when we walk away from that, we get an awful lot of those bad things in our lives, the anxiety, the fear of what's going to happen with our kids. Am I doing it right? Am I ruining them? All of these things, these lies that Satan whispers take root when we lose sight of the fact that that God is a God of order, not a God of confusion, and he has laid out in his word a plan beautifully intact for us that was relevant, you know, 4,000 years ago, it's relevant today. That's right. That's right. And so um, I think where we can find this model, I mean, and, and I mean, we're just going to kind of go through this real quick because the model for discipleship, family discipleship is in Deuteronomy 6. It's extremely simple if you just read through it and you just kind of go through this step by step by step. God tells you, because Deuteronomy is a book of legacy, and what God wants to happen here is that he wants you to pass down your faith. He's talking to the Israelites, and he wants them to pass down their faith to their children. I mean, the the book of Deuteronomy is not about 
you know, the next generation. It's like the fourth and fifth generation beyond, you know, the, the generation he's talking to. And that's what Deuteronomy is about. And in Deuteronomy 6, he says, this is how you pass down what I have already taught you. Well, and the super cool thing is, or one of the super cool things is, this is Moses giving his last address, and he doesn't talk to, you know, the generals or the preachers or anything about going into the promised land and being successful there. He goes straight to parents first, because it's the legacy of parents passing on their faith to their children and the children doing likewise. That's what gives a solid uh, civilization even because it's all built on family. So this was so, so important. And so the role that we play in this as parents is unbelievably big and exciting. Well, and I think that that's really easy to kind of gloss over how big of a deal that was because, you know, the Israelites, yeah, they were told that the land of Canaan is their land, but they were to go conquer it. And so rather than him talking to the warriors, right. He talked to the families. How cool is that? I is love that? that. I love that. Every time that I'm reading through there, I stand in awe once again of the fact that God through Moses started with parents. Yeah. And so as we are looking at passing down our faith at, at growing God's kingdom here on earth, it starts with parents. Yeah. So it didn't start with the government. It didn't start with warriors. He started with parents. So if you want to change a culture, you start with the parents, you start with the parents, you don't go to government. Government has a lot of important things about it, but I think that we get really mixed up in the government. This is a side, you know, we're, we're not say, talking about government right now, now. but <laughs> I, I do want to point that out really quick is that if you want to change a culture, you start with the parents, mm. we get stuck on government. We need to go run for office. We need to vote for the right people. We need to, you know, do whatever, right? And we're focused on the government. It's about the parents passing their faith down to their kids. That is the way you change a culture. And I think that in a lot of ways, the reason why the country is in the shape that it's in is because we haven't done this the best, the last few generations. Mm. And so I think that the pathway to actually to revival in this country is going to happen through parents. There is no question. I mean, that's that's so, what we've prayed for since the Lord gave us the burden and the call to start teach them diligently is that this would be a revival movement among families because we knew that if God would revive families, that it would spread like wildfire through communities, churches and beyond. Yes, so, I mean, let's said, let's talk through this real quick. Um, Hear, O Israel. What, and I'm reading wait, wait. Deuteronomy <laughs> 6, and I'm starting in verse 4. Okay? And we're just going to kind of read this in sections, and then we're just going to talk about it. And we're not going to get real complicated here. This is going to be incredibly simple. Matter of fact, you may even be on the other end of this podcast listening and think, is that it? And the answer is, when we describe this, yes, that's it. Okay? This is a really simple thing. And so uh, let's start in four. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And so you start with the kids. I mean, you start with the parents. 
Okay. And so what God is telling you is that he is saying that these words need to be on your heart first. And so you need to spend time in his word and you need to understand them. You need to actually thirst for them. They need to get you excited. You need to be waking up in the morning and you need to be reading them. And then you need to be praying to God and the word needs to actually be changing you. And that's, that's the so, first that's the first step in this. That's so important because if God's word is not changing you, if the Holy Spirit isn't at, alive and at work inside of you, then there is nothing for you to pass on. There is no there's no life there for you to naturally pass on to your children and model for your children. So, so, so you have got to be growing and changing. You also, the Bible talks about love the Lord your God. You can't love someone you don't know. It's it's just not possible. So we're not talking about teaching here. We're talking about reproduction here. You are taking your faith that you already have in you and you are passing this on to your kids. It's like an overflow thing. It's an overflowing glass Use an illustration that we had one time at Teach Them Diligently. We put a vi- we literally put a video up of us, we did this, pouring into a glass of water and it overflowing into a saucer. And we kept going and that overflowed onto the floor. And that's literally what discipleship is, is that it's reproduction. It's an overflow. That's right. And it's also, it's leveraging those things that you're learning so that others can learn them faster, can learn them better, that that you can use that to help your children become more like Christ much younger. So, so again, if you're not growing, if you're not changing, if you're not in God's word, then you are at, at such a disadvantage, possibly you just can't do it at all. But I, I'm going to stop short of that because God is, is incredibly gracious. But you are definitely at a disadvantage because all of this happens so naturally when you're growing and changing. Absolutely. And so let's continue on. Verse seven, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And so what he's saying there basically is that you make sure that you go out and you get a textbook and you have a discipleship (laughs) hour during your school day. not true. No, really what he's saying here is that he is saying that when you're sitting on the couch, when you're driving around town. When you're driving around town. When you are sitting at the kitchen table. When you are out fishing with your sons. When you're folding laundry. When you're folding laundry. When you are just living life. Now, the thing about this, in order to do this, you have to be present, which this is actually the main reason why we are such advocates for homeschooling, is that in order to discipleship your kids, disciple your kids, you have to be present, right? Exactly. You have to actually be there with them. And if you actually look at the statistics, the average family spends, or mom and dad only spends about 34 minutes with their children. A day. A day. That's insane. 34 minutes. You're, it, it's going to be real hard to disciple somebody that you only spend 34 minutes a day with them. And so you need to have time with your kids in order to disciple them. This is literally life on life. And so you are present with them. It's as simple as that. And so God is growing and changing you. And you literally are saying, do you know what I learned today? Yeah. 
and you have a short you have a short little conversation about that. It doesn't have to be super complicated. It can just be this is what I learned today. Isn't that cool? Well, and it also, like you noted, it's not super complicated. It, it really, truly should just flow naturally. It should just be part of everyday conversation by people who know each other well, who love each other well, who are just doing life together. And that really comes about, it becomes so much easier when you're praying for opportunities because you're going to be more inclined to see them when they come up. You're going to you're going to be more kind of tuned in to taking advantage of those situations because your heart is already set in that direction and you're already praying for your children's hearts and that kind of thing. And you're going to see that God is going to illuminate those moments but but again it's not programmed. It's not there're no specific words you need to say. It, it, you know, could be a story about you, you know, climbing a tree when you're a kid and what happened after that. I mean, literally God can use so many just very natural interactions um, for you to pass on what God has taught you through the years. And it, it goes so far in helping them have a firm foundation for their own faith. So to break down this first part really simply, right, you have to have a relationship with the Lord. His word has to be changing you, and you have to spend time with your children. Yep. I mean, that's as simple as it gets, but that's really what we're talking about here. Because without any of those things, any of those ingredients, you are not going to be able to actually disciple. Because if you're not with them, you can't, like you noted. If you're not growing, you've got nothing to pass on. So all of those little pieces work together to create a perfect atmosphere for discipleship. Yes. And so that's the first three, right? You must have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, his word has to be changing, growing and changing you. And you have to spend time with your kids. Those are the three things right there. Boom. Okay. Now let's continue on here. All right. So now I'm in verse eight. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between their eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You To break this down simply. Let's just stop real quick there. To break this down simply is that you are surround your children in the word of God. You are to soak them in the word. So they are to literally just memorize the word. Read it. Read the word. Maybe you don't have a big, fluffy, huge discipleship time before your kids go to bed. Meaning uh, what I'm saying there is that you don't have a curriculum. You just say, hey, let's just read a chapter before we go to bed at night. And then you ask your kids, how did that grow and change you? Or what did that mean to you? Do you know what that meant to me? And you just have a very open and honest conversation. And that's really what we're talking about here is that you soak your kids in the word of God. Not in, I mean, preaching, good preaching is good. Good commentaries, they're good. Really what you need in order to disciple is soaking your kids in the word of God, the actual scripture of God. Well, and even, you know, the Bible talks about writing it on your doorposts and stuff like that. And and it's even very helpful to have verses strategically around your home. For example, we have four kids who share a bathroom. Um, they always have. In their bathroom for years and years and years, I have had a Bible verse about in honor preferring one another. That's just there as a reminder of them to be kind with their bathroom time, to kind of think of others when they are in there. 
I'm not preaching that to them, but we have four older teens or young adults now that coexist quite nicely in that bathroom and they've worked it all out. They go through it all. And I truly believe that part of that is just allowing that, that concept of in honor, preferring one another to kind of soak in and, and really grow them in the way that they approach that. Yeah. And I, you know, the interior design of our house, that uh, really involves uh, scripture. There's a I lot mean, of There it is a house. lot of scripture in our house. I mean, literally, it's vinyls on our wall. Uh, we have pictures on our wall um, all over the place. I remember thinking about where we were going to hang stuff and what went into, I mean, my thought personally, and I know that your, your thought as well, um, was uh, where are the kids going to see it? Mm-hmm. And so we literally would put scripture when they walked out of their bedroom in the morning or when they walked out of the bathroom, we would have a piece of scripture right there. When in our foyer, when you walk into our house, boom, I mean, it's right there on the wall uh, above the um, where we cook dinners. There's vinyl right there. I mean, that's what went into our 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 thought process and what where we were going to hang stuff it wasn't this thought process of where is it going to look the best Mm -hmm. it's where are the kids going to see it when they're walking out of a room we would put it on the on the side of the door so that we knew that they would see it there was times where we would actually think about putting it at eye level so that they would see it and so um you got to soak them in scripture. Well, and and God's word doesn't return void, even when it is just passively on a wall. Um, and you you can't forget that. And I know that they're paying attention because we are in the process right now of painting our house. And I have had at least two or three of them already ask me when we take down some of these verses that are on the wall, because we're going to paint those rooms, what are we going to put up instead? What's going up there? So they do know they're there. They do read them. They are making a difference. And those are just tiny little things that we're just trying to surround them with God's word and make that second nature for them. That's right. And so uh, so now we have our fourth one, which is soak them in the word, right? So, I mean, that's just as simple as it gets. So, uh, again, just to re- review this so what you're, you were reminding us of is the first thing that's important, because I was writing down as you did. I hope you guys are too. Your relationship with the Lord as a parent is our number one thing that we find. Number two, we've got to be growing and changing so that that can overflow into our children. Number three, we have to be present because you can't pass on to people that you aren't with. You can't pass on your faith to someone that you're not around. And three, you've got to surround and soak your children in God's word. Absolutely. And so let's uh, let's drop down. Let's go down to uh, verse 20. We're going to kind of skip down a little bit, and we're going to do this for the sake of time, right? Because there's a section on here about when you come into the, uh, the land that God has given you. Um, and it's about, you know, don't get cocky and remember who blessed you and don't feel like you're entitled and that's important stuff, right? But we're going to go ahead and we're going to skip down because we're talking about discipleship here. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord, our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. 
And the Lord showed us signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against the Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And so the first thing there is, is that we were slaves and we all have been slaves to something in our life. We all have a story of slavery of some kind. Uh, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to some sort of an addiction. We were slave in some way to some really horrible thing, whatever it might be, to some sort of an idol. And so you have a story there. And so when your son asks you, what, you know, why does this make a difference? Well, the answer is, is that this is what God did for me. You all have a story, and your kids need to know what that story is. Yeah, it's so important. No, no matter how simple or how grand it might be, you know, I think that that we have made uh, the point before that, you know, I was in alcoholism, and and my story is long, and it is amazing what the Lord did and the grace that He showed me. And yours is, I was four years old. Right. And I think that there's a lot of those kind of stories out there, but your kids need to know about it. They well, need to and, know what the God saved you from. They need to know that uh, God still saves. Yes. And, and you know, I, I have often shared that I grew greatly more grateful for my story as our kids were were coming of age because I recognized you know though yours is is amazing of what God saved you out of mine is amazing and by God's grace our kids is amazing of what God saved us from and that is a tremendous testimony of his grace in and of itself and so we can celebrate that together as well absolutely i mean so it is that god saved you so it's the salvation from slavery and it's not just the fact that he saved you it's the miracles and the wonders mm -hmm. that he did how amazing that really is you're not entitled entitlement is such a dangerous thing yeah. in the hearts of parents and in the hearts of kids it is such a dangerous thing they need to understand grace they need to understand that god is active in this world and so when your sons and your daughters ask, what is the point? You need to be able to say, we were slaves and God saved us out of that. And now we, we desire to live for him out of a heart of love, kind of looping back up to where we started. Because as we see what he's done for us, as we're growing in him, as we are learning more about him, that love should dictate everything that we do. That's right. And so God is faithful. Right. So you remember here in this story of the Israelites, God had promised them the land of Canaan. He had given them a promise and he was faithful to fulfill that promise. Mm -hmm. So not only is God saving people, but he makes promises that he keeps. And so those are very important points. So when your son and daughter ask, why are we doing this? You need to have an answer that is not just your story, but you need to have an answer that revolves around the fact that God makes promises and he fulfills them. Mm. But not only that, but he gives grace, which mm. is unmerited favor that you do not deserve. And he gives that. And so those are the two things that you need to actually focus on when you are teaching your kids, when you are answering these kinds of questions. You need to 
I, I make a point a lot of times about an old Southern preacher when he was teaching people how to preach um, uh, out of the Old Testament. And he always made this point. He kept going back to it. He always made this point of you read the story of what God did and then you head for Jesus. And, and he now, kept saying anytime, that, head for Jesus, so, well, head for Jesus. <laughs> and I just have to tell you, whenever um, anything comes up now in our household where somebody's talking about the Old Testament, one of the kids will almost invariably say that, head for Jesus, because <laughs> they've heard it so many times and they know that that is the point. Jesus is the point. Jesus coming onto the scene is what everything in the Old Testament was working up to. And it changed everything from that point forward. So, I mean, those, that's really the steps. I mean, I think that we can add to it. I mean, Leslie, you have a book, Teach Them Diligently, and you kind of go through this some. And we go a lot deeper in that book. And you go a lot deeper through this. But, I mean, we're talking about demystifying discipleship, and we're trying to simplify this as much as possible for people. And the book is really great on expanding on this, Mm -hmm. but... I think that people need to not be intimidated by discipleship because, I mean, it literally is. When you say um, discipleship, it's like, whoa. I mean, it's like this, you know, almost this overwhelming thing. And and I say that because I've actually had those feelings myself. When you hear other parents talk about discipleship, it's an overwhelming kind of, wow, that's, that's the big, that's the big deal. When your parents, discipleship, you know, uh, if I don't do this, I'm a complete failure. And it's like this scary thing almost. And it's not. And it's an incredibly simple thing. Mm. And the model for this is in in Deuteronomy 6. Again, just to come back to this one more time. And then you can kind of expand on some of the other things that you, you have in your book. But just to kind of expand on this one more time or to simplify this and lay this out one more time is that you have to have a relationship with God. Uh, His word has to be growing and changing you. You have to be present Mm -hmm. in order to disciple your kids and you have to soak them in the word of God. And those are really the four steps to discipleship. Right. And then when your children ask, because they're going to ask. Oh, yeah. And their questions give you amazing opportunities. That's right. We don't need to be like, oh, they're going to ask. No, they're going to ask. And you need to be excited about asking. The answers to their questions need to revolve around that God saves. He still does amazing things in this world. And not only that, but he is um, he's active in this world. Mm. Right. And so I think that um, we talk about God almost like he's an academic subject. And I feel like that uh, sometimes homeschoolers are really bad about that. Mm-hmm. And I say that again from uh, uh, I say that from experience, not just experience of running, teach them diligently as an organization, but in our own life that sometimes you kind of kind of fall into this academic view of God. My hope and dream regarding the kids revolved around the story of Emmaus, the road to Emmaus, and the disciples, the the people that were there, that were with Jesus Christ, and 
after they realized who Jesus, that Jesus Christ was there and was talking to them, and then Jesus Christ suddenly vanishes, they say, did not our heart burn within us mm-hmm. while he was teaching us? And I always, I latched onto that mm-hmm. when we were young, younger. <laughs> we're still young. We're still young. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I want for my kids. Mm. I want their heart to burn within them. And that was like the main thing yeah. to me. Yep. Yep. And so we had to present Jesus in such a way that their hearts would burn for him. He wouldn't just be an academic subject. Right. Right. That they would experience him, that they would feel him, that they wouldn't just know the truth, they would feel the truth. And walk and that in only truth. and walk in the truth. And that only comes by you as a parent knowing the truth, meaning that you are, you know, the truth, you feel the truth, you know, that is true with every part and every fiber of your being. And that's how that happens Mm -hmm. is that your kids, it's like your kids catch that. Mm -hmm. It's like you're infecting your kids with it. Yep. You know, and, um, that's what you're doing. You know, that's, I mean, that's kind of what discipleship is. You are, they are catching Jesus Christ from you. Mm. And so, um, and that's as simple as it gets. And I think that we overcomplicate this so much. That's right. And it is as simple as life on life. Amen. Okay. Amen. Well, we are just about out of time here, um, but we we hope that this has been a time that's been a challenge to you. Uh, hope that you'll listen to it with your spouse. You guys can talk about, you know, kind of how does this look in your own family? What are some of the things that you want to start implementing? In the book, I do give a whole lot of very practical implementation strategies, a lot of ideas from other Teach Them Diligently families that I actually included in there. Um, And so I will link to how to get that in the show notes. I also wanted to make you aware of a prayer series that I wrote. It's 35 days of praying scripture for your children. And all through that, you're getting a prayer for that day, but also kind of what that looks like in real life as you're living it out. So I'm going to link that in the show notes as well so that you can go through that and just kind of start putting legs to some of these things that you're praying for. Uh, So make sure that you check those out. Uh, If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, we ask you to go ahead and do that. Leave us a review. Send us a comment. We would love to know what kind of things you would like to hear us talk about. So uh, be sure that you send that in. We would love to hear from you. And I hope that you have a great rest of your day and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.